Give us something that's brand new and rather interesting. Uh, well, brand new. The Starling, mawkish, sentimental, dramedy. A word, a word that I hate, but it does fit this film. Written by Matt Harris, directed by Theodore Melfi, who made St. Vincent and Hidden Figures, both of which I like. I know that you liked uh, Hidden Figures very much. Um, Melissa McCarthy and Chris O'Dowd are Lily and Jack. They had a baby um, which died of sudden infant death syndrome. We see flashbacks of their happy life before that happened. She works in a supermarket, but they have a huge ranch-style home. Um, it was her, their grandfather's, apparently. It was got enough ground to relocate the entire football team from 12 mighty orphans. Um, Jack is in a psychiatric institution, which seems like the kind of psychiatric institution which someone dreamed up in a group focus meeting, which is appropriate since Chris O'Dowd's performance of a psychiatric patient seems to have been cooked up in a void far removed from any form of reality at all. And there is this sub Bob Zemeckis bird, the starling, which visits uh, Lily. It's almost as if it's a personification of her grief. And one of the ways that we know this is that soft rock songs tell us at all times exactly what is going on and uh, how we should feel about it. There are, on the soundtrack, there are the Lumineers, Judah and the Lion, Nate Roos, Brandy, Carlisle. Soft rotation. There's soft rotation. Also lots of tinkling piano to say sad, sad, sad. Strings to say hmm, possible hope. And, you know, and then soft rock to see us through the next thing. Um, the whole thing is sort of weird that kevin klein is kevin klein is a vet second vet of the thing who uh to whom lily is sent by so she's told that she has to deal with her feelings she goes to see kevin klein she thinks he's a psychiatrist it turns out he's a vet he used to be a psychiatrist now he's a vet they start having conversation he's not her psychiatrist but of course he kind of is and they all discover lessons about life they're just talking but they're doing so much more than talking you know what are the chances that Kevin Klein's character will discover something about himself you know hey maybe he's a quitter maybe he needs to to learn not to quit and do you think uh, you think he'll stop uh, he'll stop neutering dogs and going back to uh, Johns Hopkins which is where he was before he it's always a difficult him. dilemma isn't it always a difficult dilemma maybe maybe you know maybe Chris's character needs to not quit as well and uh, have we got REO Speedwagon at this stage or no but you know that it they would not have been out of place okay. I mean here's the thing there is one moment in the film in which something truthful is said. And that some, the one thing that is said that is truthful, in my opinion, is that when terrible things happen for no good reason at all, we blame ourselves because the idea of putting order onto things is what we do. And so when things happen over which people have no control and they are terrible and they happen for no reason the immediate tendency is to blame yourself because that makes sense of it. However, that nugget is delivered in a way that is completely creaky and artificial, like the rest of the film. And the rest of the film is, the Starling is a metaphor. Lily's car going into a tailspin in the rain is a metaphor. The new lazy boy chair she gets is a metaphor. The snowballs in the supermarket are metaphors. The garden she fixes and then destroys and then grows anyway is a metaphor. And the whole thing felt unearned and just... It, it's a film that deserves the title dramedy in every sense of the word that's a very interesting point you make about blame maybe for another podcast but I, I guess some people will blame themselves and others will blame other people yeah no well I, maybe that's true but in the case of starling I, I certainly blame the filmmakers um in cinemas now netflix from the 24th not a favorite i have to say <laughs> 